Welcome to next segment with Jill and Jen. I'm Jill. And I'm Jen. Hello, Jen. Hey. Um, full confession at the very front of this episode. We tried to record this episode about a week ago or a bit more than a week ago. And we recorded a full hour and ten minutes. And it was so bad that we had to scrap the entire thing. I literally saved the file on my computer as would not subscribe. <laughs> Um, Jen talked about trolls, uh, for a solid 45 minutes, guys. Uh, and it was it's fascinating. <laughs> I feel passionately about it. Um, would it make for good listening? Absolutely not. No. And we knew it from the beginning. We said, listen, listen to the first 50 minutes back afterwards, and we said like five times in the first five minutes that it was a disaster already. So we should listen to ourselves early on. Trust your instinct. Also, we took a week away. Self-care is important, guys. Self-care. <laughs> um, but we're feeling, I'm feeling good today. Are you feeling good today? I I feel ready. I have more hope for this episode. I have scratched trolls <laughs> from the wideout. I now also, whenever I see anything related to trolls on the internet, I send it to Jen <laughs> and ask them how much wool did it take to make their hair. And that's a joke you guys will never get, because you'll never get to see, hear that part of the episode. We we don't let you in on all of our secrets. No. <laughs> there are some things that are just for us. Yeah. <laughs> that's what makes listening so much fun. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get into our uh, fixations of the week. All right. Confession again. Part two. Confession. <laughs> Oh, this is the what a great Asher album. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, that album would be a great accompaniment to the story I'm about to tell you. Oh gosh, I can't wait. I'm truly worried that I will not do this story justice. This is one of those cases where I stumbled across something <laughs> on the internet, fell down one of those wormholes where I was just like, I need to know what happens next. Against all logic. <laughs> so that's the point of this podcast. This podcast is against all logic. Here's where we are. It has the drama. It has love. It has betrayal. All the three things. It has a polygamous relationship. There's a girl. Lot here. You know I'm in. <laughs> and I know I'm not alone because the people of New York were also <laughs> very into this story. In fact, it made. The front page of the New York Post, which I'm not going to dive into any analysis of their journalism, they do have the punniest front pages consistently. I, yeah, I think everyone would agree with that. Yeah. And their stories, including this one, often read like, is this from The Onion? Or is this a real news story? So the headline of this story is, Jilted Hawk discovers her nest is home to a third bird. <laughs> Story. She has a blog. 
her blog. As all great stories start, mm-hmm. there was a blog. Exactly. She's a photographer, takes beautiful shots, and she regularly photographs these hawks that live in a park in New York City. And uh, she kind of tells the story of the relationship between these hawks. All is well and good in hawk world. And then the drama <laughs> starts. Oh, girl. So let me like play out the characters for you, the cast of characters. Tell me at the end of the story if you would not make this movie. <laughs> this needs to be like a telenovela, a soap opera, I don't know. A like the Women's Network or like, like Slice TV? No, like get rid of Riverdale. <laughs> make the show about these hawks. The Netflix original. Has everything. <laughs> so for five years, two hawks by the name of Christo, the male hawk, and Dora, his lovely partner, were together. They raised ten chicks together in Thompson Square Park in New York. Hawks meet for life, apparently. Like lobsters. Like lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> Just having a beautiful story. Three months ago, Dora gets a bone infection in her wing. Oh, She has to go to rehab. That was unexpected. For her injured wing. Truly upsetting. While she's in rehab, unbeknownst to her, she's just focused on getting healthy. We're all rooting for Dora. <laughs> we want her to come back. Christo hooks up with another lady hawk. No. Apparently, she got the nickname Nora, not Dora. Oh, that's good, but also mm-hmm. a bit close to home. So, in a particularly... I put a lot of quotes in my notes because this Laura Goggin has a way with words. She really <laughs> captures the drama. So she says about Nora, she swooped in the second Dora left. How else would a hawk get there? And another local bird watcher says, it put a bad taste in our mouths to see him with a mistress. So Christo and Nora, now fully in a relationship, it gets worse. How could it? Christo invited Nora into the nest he built no. and shared. To his home. Dora. <gasps> Across the threshold. A nest wrecker, some <laughs> might say. <laughs> now, Nora, I don't want to, you know, slut shame Nora. I don't want to put her as the bad guy in this situation. Christo's clearly at fault here, ladies. Let's yes, <laughs> solidarity, ladies. Yeah, let's all be clear on this. So Christo tries to invite Nora into this nest. Nora actually respects Dora's territory. Good for Nora. Doesn't want to cross that threshold. But she does continue. They have their relationship. And Dora gets better. She gets out of rehab. She shows up. Why back in her work? house. Thinking everything's fine and dandy. That there's cooked in away from the stove when she gets in the door. And what does she find? Krista and Nora together. Apparently there was quite the chaos. Um, Obviously. Just, as Laura puts it, they were screaming at each other. 
just flying around, feathers flying. I just want to point out something that I hate about stories in general Please. is when the names are confusing. And we have Laura, Nora, and Dora involved right now, and I'm having a bit of a difficult time keeping everything aligned. Laura Goggin does address this on her blog. Does she really? <laughs> <laughs> so, Laura, this is wonderful there. news. I give you full credit because she does say she's learned a little bit about Nora now in her research. She's semi-stalking these hawks, but it is her job. She photographs them. <laughs> <laughs> um, she does comment on how confusing the names are and how much she hates it. And okay. she has suggested on her blog a new name for Nora uh, that references the neighborhood that that bird lives in. Did I write that down? No. So okay. we're going to have to stick with this. But, I mean, Laura's not blameless in this. She's also a name that rhymes with aura. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't match sure her parents for song. <laughs> this drama. I just want to say that, so I pointed out, that's all. Continue. Part of this chaos, also, is that Dora literally showed up to Christo and Nora going at it. No, this, you actually couldn't <laughs> script this. Right? This is like the best. It's like an episode drama. of Grey's Anatomy, probably more dramatic. Or... They're probably in there. 15th year of a medical internship <laughs> as well. <laughs> so Krista and Dora fly off together. Dora's kind of hanging around, setting up her nest. Christo, here it gets more complicated. How could it? Is then spotted, spending each of his mornings helping Dora build her nest, bringing her food, rats to eat. Then he flies off in the afternoon for a rendezvous. For a rendezvous with Nora. <laughs> Is this like normal hawk behavior? Well, apparently. <laughs> Let me turn my page. I also want to point out that I have, we did not talk about this beforehand, and I have asked all the right questions going through this conversation. So, hawks mate for life. This is when this becomes a wildlife. Biology <laughs> <laughs> for about the next five seconds. Hawks me for life. However, if a partner dies, it's very normal that the surviving hawk will find a new mate within 24 hours. Oh, so it's not a lot of grieving time. No, apparently, unlike elephants, who are known to grieve quite extensively. And uh, humans. <sighs> who cares about humans? The well, show... No, he just socks. They'll usually find another partner. However, the wildlife rehabilitator who worked with Nora through her bone infection, got her healthy again, only for her return home to the ultimate betrayal, says that threesomes are rare, but possible. Really? As long as the females keep apart. Okay. So, Christo just has to have good time management skills. <laughs> right. Like like any man. And like any, you know, classic story, you know, this is where the show would get good, where right. there's a man secretly living two lives, right, two right, right. families in different right. locations. There's a lot of potential here. So, can we ask how long this has been going on? So, this is fairly recent. So it was three months ago. Oh, so I thought this was a couple of years, but rehab. so the really it remains to be seen how this plays out. Now, 
Helen Stafford, who is one of those uh, bird watching witnesses I mentioned, she had a great quote that really gives you hope for the future. Okay. Um, she says about Christo, he's a really stand up hawk and father. <laughs> if anyone can make it happen, it's him. this morning as I was getting ready and for those who know me uh, I really have had a long-term relationship with Sister Wives the show <laughs> and I have a lot of feelings about it um, which is for a different episode um, but I want to see how this plays out I, I want to see Cody Brown have a conversation with Christo about how to manage his wives the reunion special <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Janelle and Mary have a conversation with Nora and Dora and Laura if she's there as well <laughs> Laura has to be there now, what Laura has discovered, because um, she's trying, been trying to apparently track down, because she's found where Dora's been nesting, but it took her quite a while to figure out where Nora was going each okay. day. And what she's discovered is Nora was migrating back to another neighborhood. She never really seemed to feel at home in Christo's. Can you blame her though? You no know, situation. Really? And apparently, female hawks are very territorial, so this is normal. So she would have felt uncomfortable being in another hawk's space. Um, apparently, a while ago, within this neighborhood where Nora lives, a hawk was found dead Ooh. on the roof of a building or something like that. And so Laura now thinks that that was probably Nora's previous partner. Oh. And that both her and Christo had lost partners around the same time. Oh, so that each other. Lovely. It's kind of beautiful. Though. It really is, except for poor Dora. She's now yes. hobbling back in with a broken wing. <laughs> Not dead after all. Return from the dead, like any good soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> like Denny. Why is Grant's anatomy featuring so heavily in this conversation? I don't know. Great question. And apparently, they think that, you know, now that they're both in their own spaces, they're probably not fighting anymore because they recognize each other as two hawks. Nora and Dora knew each other from before. They had respect for each other and each other's territories before. And now that they've got, you know, the clean line of division, everyone can get along. I'm really interested to see how this plays out over the next year or so. Can, can we do a follow-up in a year if this is still being reported I on? Love. I, I imagine Laura will never stop. I'm fully confident that Laura yeah. will continue to update her blog. Maybe we can have Laura as a special guest in this podcast. I would love Laura, that. if you're listening, which if you are listening, how? <laughs> <laughs> how did you find us? Um, but if, I mean, I think if this is something I want to follow up on. And I want to just add that this is, I find this really strange we're talking about hawks right now. And I recently finished a book called Ages for Hawks. Right. Um, which I would not have normally read, but um, when I was visiting my friend in Cambridge in uh, England, he recommended the book to me and said it was actually written by a woman who lived in Cambridge, and it's about how this woman, her, uh, her, the author, Helen MacDonald, her father died, and she took up training a hawk, a goshawk, I think is how you pronounce it, maybe not, um, but a hawk. Uh, Remember that only 0.5 <coughs> seconds of this was what life biology. We're over that now. <laughs> um, anyway, she started training a hawk as like a way of dealing with her grief, um, but it's also kind of a story about like his, the history of the area and about the history of bird, of falconry and like and, and training birds and stuff. And it's like this 
really beautiful and moving and um, also very heavily like wildlife historian type of book. Here's my question. Would that author be available to write the highbrow Oscar bait version of the script of this story? Uh, I do have her on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not her agent? <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I've actually picked a whole new career. I don't even live here anymore. I'm, I'm a ghost, a figment of your imagination. That would surprise no one. That <laughs> <laughs> was a shocking twist of bow. I don't know how much more hawk talk we can sustain I on mean, this podcast. I do want to... Especially because forth. I hate birds, like, genuinely, <laughs> in every form. I do want to put forth that... Um, if anyone's taking up the script writing for the show I propose, um, <laughs> please credit me and also Laura Goggin, of course. And now also Helen Mel. Um, now we mentioned her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would also like a storyline involving the children, because as we know, uh, oh, Christo and Dora have ten children together, and also where do those children live? In New York? Big, great question. Does Laura um, write about that in her blog? Not really, because I get the feeling, again, not a lot of like biologists. <laughs> Hawks seem pretty solitary, so I think yes. once they, I think they, they are. They kind of peace out. They have 10 kids together. Also, Krista and Nora seem to be real shacking up. According to the blog, they spend a lot of time <laughs> um, invested in mating, so surely children are to come well, from that coupling. We'll have, to, we'll have to keep a close eye on this, like a hawk, even. Drama, drama. <laughs> What a good joke. <laughs> you should work for the New York Post. <laughs> anyway, shout out to the New York Post. Shout out to Laura Goggin Photography. If you're in the mood, goggenphotography.com. You can follow the whole narrative. <laughs> Highly recommend it if you have an afternoon to spare. Um, and please, if anyone wants to partner up on the script writing, Netflix, get in touch. So I like how we, over the past... Uh, the last episode of the podcast, I should say, because we've only done one since <laughs> the new year. We try to find cohesion in our stories. Um, and I feel like our New Year's resolution. Yeah, and I think that we will have a bit of that as this episode goes on. I think we have a long segue. <laughs> because we have we have a love story um, about hawks. And I have this week to talk about um, a Canadian love story, if you will. Um, Bringing it back home. Where, where we all belong. I posted on Facebook the other night about this because I'm not, I have so many feelings. I'm not ready to stop talking about it yet. <laughs> no one is. <laughs> uh, Tessa and Scott, the gold medal ice dancer winners at the Olympics in Pyeongchang 2018. They, the world's sweethearts. The world's sweethearts. Um, Somebody post. I posted this on Facebook that I was not ready to stop talking about Tessa and Scott, and somebody commented, oh, but it's the curling now. And I commented back, but Brad Gushu didn't make me believe in love again. Because Tessa and Scott, you know that my heart is made of ice. We've, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and I think it's interesting that we both have love stories today to talk about, because you and I both are not really into love stories, I don't think, generally speaking. You're into ghosts, and I'm into, like... <laughs> like, death and murder, and I like time travel and, like, 
old British poetry. So I feel I like... I didn't believe we were the coolest people. <laughs> <laughs> but Tessa and Scott, I feel, have, have melted my ice-cold heart. I saw them dance, and I, I wept openly watching them at the gold medal. I can only imagine if I was 11, 12 years old. The sexual awakening I would have had. <laughs> I was to Roxanne. <laughs> I didn't even realize that they were that like their so their final gold medal skate was to uh, Moulin Rouge, and I didn't even realize with Moulin Rouge I was just too busy crying, <laughs> like watching them together and watching their their faces and their bodies just like tell this true love story. So I think Jen, you and I have talked before about writing a fan fiction about them. Tess and Scott? Yes. Um, because it is so evident to me that he's so in love with her. And I feel like she loves him too, deep down. <laughs> but there's, for some reason, there's a resistance there to really give in to that relationship. And I just want her to know it's okay. That the whole country, the whole world, nay, the universe, <laughs> is behind them. Is supporting their love. Because they give us the life to aspire to. Olympic winning <laughs> ice dancers who can tell stories through blades and glitter <laughs> and also make us believe in love. I, all of us stories are told. Through blades and glitter? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great name of a book? Through blades and glitter? That's the fan fiction name. Oh, there we go. Okay, so I gotta go now because I gotta finish writing that fan fiction. I can't wait till I have a hit show on Netflix and you get a publishing deal. <laughs> <laughs> And of the two most unlikely things, hawks and skating, because uh, I hate skating. I hate it, personally. But the other thing is that people like Tessa and Scott make you believe that you can do what they do. You're like, I could easily stand on someone's legs and, like, bend over backwards and, like, lean over like I'm a tree. Absolutely. And not fall or kill them. I told her that when I left the theater after seeing I, Tanya, I was like, I could do this. This is my future. I'm going to be an ice skater. So let's talk about the Olympics a bit more, because I love the Olympics. Do you think, well, this is, I mean, this is a DB a little bit from Scott and Tessa, because they have said many times that they won this medal for Canada. But do you think that uh, athletes really do think that their medals are for their country? Or is that something they say out of, out of obligation or like history I mean... or whatever? Diving into the nationalism of the Olympics is a pretty hefty topic to fall into. Well, I was thinking about this in relation to the Russian athletes but who couldn't say they're from Russia. I you know. Part of it, I'm sure, is yes, because I think you can't help it when you're kind of probably caught up in the, the symbolism of being there. Right. But also, I think about like the number of athletes who, you know, have multiple nationalities and compete for a country maybe where they've never lived. Right. Or, you know, I think as was the case. And Olympic fandom, don't come for me. <laughs> I don't have my facts around this. I've literally followed the Olympics on Tumblr. So, like, <laughs> but Trainer. I feel like two of the male um, ice skaters or ice dancers, one from, I think, Japan, and one from a European country, train together, have the same coach, are like super close friends. Yeah. But then compete for you know, countries on well, there's also separate that, ends of the earth. Well, a, be a better example is actually um, the girl who, she competed for Belarus in like ski, in the, in the half pipe ski, and she 
never did a single jump in the entire time. Did you see this story? Yeah. Yeah, so she didn't do a single jump because she didn't, she couldn't do a jump, but she got in a, a technicality because she was from a country that didn't have any representation and because she had ranked enough through all the competitions that she got on the very bottom of the roster. So she went to the Olympics, just skied straight down the middle of the half pipe, and she's an Olympian now. <laughs> so you're right, there's a little bit of like a... Because yeah, she, she's an American, but she's <laughs> but she has like a, a, a grandfather who's like from Belarus or yeah. something. Or... Being an elite athlete in zero sports, <laughs> um, also being an athlete in zero sports. <laughs> Just to clarify. Just, yeah, make that absolutely clear. Like, walking is a sport to us. But I think that part of it must be, too, just, like, having such respect for the sport and your fellow athletes. But, like, you know, I think... Jen, are you going to cry? Your eyes are watering. Yeah, I'm I don't know how to explain this, but, like, that's where a lot of that passion comes from. Maybe it's not as wrapped up in the nationalism right. or the symbolism of competing for your country. What I will say is if you've never uh, followed a major sporting event like the Olympics via gifts on Tumblr, highly recommend. You haven't lived, have you? <laughs> the commentary, A+. Plus. Whoever's making those gifts, A+. Plus. The little <laughs> snippets of fan fiction that get written about these athletes, I mean, that's what Tumblr's full on here for. Um, I will say that my favorite part about the Olympics, it, it's rarely actually the athletes. I mean, I love I love the Olympics. And it was just, some people find really funny because I am not really into sports at all. Um, but the Olympics and the World Cup, it's like, I don't want to leave my house. I just want to turn the TV on and watch all the games forever for the two weeks that it's on or the month in the case of the World Cup. Um, but I love the Olympics because it's, it's such an intense period of time, and there's so much time dedicated to it that so much weird stuff happens that you never forget about. Like, for example, I have not forgotten 2016 when Scott Russell called Miley Cyrus Siley Myrus. Haven't forgotten it. I still think about it every couple of weeks and laugh. And um, 2018 in Pyeongchang, we have Kirk Browning providing commentary on the skating and truly is the best part of the Olympics because Kurt Browning shouldn't be allowed to provide commentary on anything. And that's a strong feeling. Well, let me tell you why. Um, for those who watched the Olympics uh, closely, you'll remember the skater, I believe his name was Nathan Chin. He's yes. an American uh, figure skater. America's sweetheart. America's sweetheart. And he uh, was known, he's known as like the quad guy. He just has, I, he there's like, like there's six, some kind of name on him. Six quads in one routine. Yeah, he's, he does a lot of them. Yeah. Um, he also and, had a comeback at the Olympics, so it was quite a Well, story. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Give me a minute. <laughs> Same. Tumblr loved him. <laughs> well, he, so he had in a short, for those who didn't watch Olympics, I'm going to give them a quick rundown. He had a short program uh, where he was supposed to do three quads. He had missed every single one of his jumps. He was uh, ranked near the bottom of the pack. Um, so he skated like 17th, or sorry, third out of like 20 or something. And this was a huge... Uh, challenge for him because he was supposed to be number one. That was kind of how he was projected to be throughout the Olympics. So as he was preparing to go on the ice to skate, um, Kurt Browning, and the, I can't remember the other two um, commentators, but there are other women who often provide commentary on bigger skating. In Canadian. In Canadian, yes, in Canadian <laughs> coverage. And they were talking kind of generically about what had to happen for 
Nathan Chen to really skate a great skate for the long program. And one of the commentators was saying something like, asking rhetorically, um, he'll be thinking, what do I have to do to skate this tonight? And Kerb writing whispers, forgive himself. <laughs> and I laughed so hard, I had to pause the television. I was coughing. I was like wheezing. I had to rewind it to watch it again because I couldn't believe that was a real thing that Kurt Browning said on television. It was. Does Kurt Browning want to come and like cancel me in my way? <laughs> Option two. Does Kurt Browning want to dramatically narrate my show about the Hawks? <laughs> <laughs> what does Kristoff have to do? Forgive himself. <laughs> I see a narration a la Jane the Virgin. You've ever watched? No. Great narration. Kurt Browning, I will write you in. Um, so, you know, just the Olympics in general this year for me was top notch in every capacity. We won a lot of medals. Like, I think it was our best Olympics ever. Um, and, you know, Ske- Skessa, Scott and Tessa, Skessa. Or it's terrible shit. Or, or Scott. I mean, both of them are really bad. Tessa and Scott. They will live forever as to me. They are the OTP of 2018 for sure, and I don't want to love like unless it can be a love like Tessa and Scott, which means I learned how to skate. <laughs> I mean, they also moved to Montreal, and they also have to be 110 pounds and learn how to tell stories through my body. <laughs> <laughs> Easy enough. I did, and I was looking at their their Tumblr or their sorry their Instagram the other day, and I just looked. All the feels came back from just watching. They're so excellent together. They move as if one. I mean, there's so much glitter. And I will say, my only complaint about Scott, and this is the only complaint, is that he had a pimple on the day that he was gold medal. <laughs> right in his forehead. He's only down. human, Joe. But he's not. He's the Canadian OTP. As Kurt Brown would say, has to prove <laughs> Anyway, if Tessa and Scott want to come on the show and just talk about how in love they are, um, happy to have you. That's all I'm going to say. And keep us posted uh, throughout Instagram, Scott and Tessa, about the romance as it progresses. <laughs> in quote marks, the romance. <laughs> A Canadian can dream. <laughs> Should we move on to our next segment? Of course. Jen, I believe you have a game for us today. Yeah. Well, I'm going to set it up a little bit because it's one of my favorite topics. We've chatted about this between us because it's one of my favorite things to hate read on the internet. Right, right. As I think it is for many people of our generation, which is just terrible think pieces about how awful millennials are. I thought we were out of the line of fire for a little while. I don't know if we ever will be. I was reading <laughs> something. Remember we said about being more positive in 2018? <laughs> I was reading a New York Times article where they basically had a poll um, asking, you know, what should we call the post-millennial generation? Like, what I usually call Generation Z. I thought that's what uh, we were I thought they were called the net gen or something. Yeah. Anyways, they had a poll to see, Digital like... Digital or something? Is that someone? Yeah. I think I generation is one of the things that's been called that's I think that's probably okay. Um what is it actually? Yeah. Well apparently the most popular answer was Generation Z in their poll. 
But the overwhelming response they got from people who were of that generation was that they didn't care what they were called as long as they weren't associated with millennials. <laughs> and I was like, great, now we're getting shit on people. <laughs> This really feels like a lose-lose situation in every way. <laughs> uh, but my favorite thing, and I'm sure a lot of people saw this, if you were on Twitter, it was all over Twitter, because it was just so preposterous. But it was a headline in The Sun, the UK paper. The headline was, Flankensteins. Oh my Snowflake students claimed Frankenstein's monster was misunderstood, and is in fact a victim. Okay, but he actually was? Which is how everyone responded. Like, <laughs> basically, you're just writing a story about how millennials have correctly understood one of the main premises <laughs> of Frankenstein. Like, we could talk later about the merits of <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein being the worst character of all time, most whiny, bitchy, moany character in the history of literature, but that's a different conversation. Um, the Mary Sue, which is a website I really like, this pop culture coverage from like a feminist kind of viewpoint. Um, I like they called it the rock bottom of obtuseness, which I thought was a great way to just describe <laughs> this idiotic article, which they got so much hate on the sun that they eventually deleted the tweet where they shared wow. their article. That's pretty bad for the sun. I know. Um, my favorite response tweet to it that I saw was someone who just wrote, that's literally what Frankenstein is about. <laughs> End of tweet. No further commentary. Um, <laughs> to be fair, uh, the Times in the UK had actually written an article prior to that, which I think the Sun just crib note, right. but also like didn't read fully. <laughs> right. Well, sounds like the Sun. And you know, as they do, removed all the nuance from. Right. Where the Times proposed that it was really. Millennials' concern for animal rights that was causing them to sympathize with the quote, murderous creature. Granted, Frankenstein monster does murder. But right. I was like, again, <laughs> now here's one of my real confessions, which is why when I introduced you to this, I was like, this is a conversation about millennials by way of wishbone. <laughs> I never read Frankenstein. <laughs> Wait, wait, what? You've never read Frankenstein? No. Jen, you've never read Frankenstein? I'm embarrassed to confess because I I don't know like... how you got through first year university without reading Frankenstein. No, my first year lit prof mostly just wanted to read things that were about masturbation. Don't all That's first all year lit profs? How many more times did you read the poem? He was. My Papa's Waltz. <laughs> A bitter divorcee who once told a class of first year impressionable university students. That marriage was a legalized form of prostitution. Okay. <laughs> so that was my first year with class. We did not read Frankenstein. I feel like you didn't read Frankenstein. I feel, like, I, I feel like, I wish I had escaped having to read Frankenstein. I feel like as, you know, a lady, I should read it in support of like, Mary Shelley basically inventing science fiction, but... Do you know what? I actually read this thing not too long ago that said, because I will also confess that I hated Frankenstein. I really think the character, like, the... The monster is sympathetic, but like Dr. Frankenstein is one of the worst characters of all time. He is so irritating and mopey and whiny. And say the, that did not come across in Wishbone's portrayal. <laughs> uh, I read this piece recently though that said that Frankenstein isn't a good book. Like we don't have to keep reading it because it's not a good book. I mean it's historically important, but 
I like, think this opinion was a lot like, of books in our canon. Well, I mean, I have a whole that's a whole different topic for a different <laughs> I mean, day. you're the English lit major, so. Um, but anyway, I just can't believe I read it. But I would also uh, recommend if you want to be friends with me to read it. I would recommend YouTubing the Wishbone episode because really, I feel <laughs> like I got. I just want you to suffer. Like I had to suffer through <laughs> all everything stomach. I needed to know through Wishbone. You also have um, to do Oliver Twist. I hated that book too, and I had to read it in English. I didn't read that either. It's horrible. Um, it's too long. You know my, I, you know my thing. Pretty sure I saw that one on Wishbone too. So I mean, I also should put a caveat here that I don't like books written before 1990. So. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyways. That's a yeah, different. Situation. You know. Just made me laugh a lot. Also made me laugh that all my knowledge. I was like, haha, no, I totally understand the premise of Frankenstein, and then I was like, Dear Jen. <laughs> what? Dear Jen. <laughs> you watched a Wishbone episode in like 1995. But that's how we all understand Ulysses. It's how I... Don Quixote. Cyrano de Bergerac. Sherlock Holmes. That's how I first came across Sherlock Holmes. Like, that show... It helped us. It was great. Cyrano de Bergerac, what a great, like, recall I've just had of Sarah. What a great right? story. Yeah. <laughs> Also, Romeo and Juliet, sure. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Bring back Wishbone. That's how all of us learned. Hashtag bring back Wishbone. <laughs> Get it trending, listeners. <laughs> Laura, if you're listening, get trending. <laughs> bring back Wishbone. My also other takeaway from that article was, okay, this is so angry at millennials, but on reflection, people who are in university right now aren't even millennials. That's true. Their generation, whatever. I think the youngest millennials are like 21, 22. So just finishing university. Yeah. So like, they're not even mad at the right people here. <laughs> this is a not poorly researched article. I don't want us to shove this <laughs> down on Generation Z, but like... And also, why am I expecting the sun to fact check something like that? Just got, got my blood boiling. Um, can we just clarify, for the record? Yeah. What years of birth are millennials again? Is it 1980? Jill, do I have that written down? Of course you have it. <laughs> How do I anticipate all of you? You know I'm going to ask. You have the answers ready for me. So the other thing that millennials were in the news for recently was that the Pew Research Center had like redefined the years for generations. Why did they get to do that? That was my main question. Because <laughs> like all the articles were like, the Pew Research Center finally puts an end to the debate, and I was like, why that? But isn't that so millennium us to like question who gets the authority to make those decisions? I mean, you know, this is the post truth. Who gets to say? But truthiness. Uh, according to the Pew Research Center, it's 1981 to 1996. That sounds about right to me. Yeah, and there was like, like people born after 1996 can't relate to them. Yeah, they're like. You know, those are an age group where they're old enough to, I mean, this is very North American perspective, but old enough to have experienced and understood 9-11, right. like, the impacts of that. Right. And they were young adults during the 2008 recession and oh, the yeah. impact that has on careers. Right. And so it's like economic and... And also technological. Historical. In that grew up with um... grew up with computers and internet but also, like, saw the evolution of right. the internet. Didn't, what, didn't grow up with social media. Like, didn't grow up with as, social media. As, as young teens. Didn't grow up with pervasive internet. Right. 
Right. Like you, you log into MSN place. Messenger for half an hour a night. You had dial-up internet. You've had that experience right. with that transition. Right. So it was interesting to see the reasoning. And you had a flip phone at yeah. some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were real excited about the Motorola Razor. I'm like, remember? Yeah. Nobody, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Remember? Try? Cut all that out. <laughs> I won't, but... <laughs> Razor again. I think I still have one in the drawer. Do you want me to bring it back? Yeah, well, I, I could live without Instagram, I think. I need a bit of a break. Although, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> did you take a lot of your apps off your phone? I, I did. I deleted all, um, all of my apps. Except I had to get Instagram back because I'm now volunteering um, as a comms person for the library. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, our careers do somewhat require us to be. Yeah, it, they do. But I also think that we don't, we definitely can have more separation than we do. Like, I don't have the Facebook app on my phone because uh, I don't need to know what's going on on Facebook at all times. And I log out of it if I'm not using it. I log out of Instagram if I'm not using it. I don't have the Twitter app because I log out if I'm not using it. I think it's really good to like put that like like that lid on that when you're done with it. that willpower. Well, I gotta say I feel a lot better since <laughs> I started doing that. In fact, more positive 2018. But you didn't know about the hawk love story. Well, so. that's a good point. I mean, I do miss out on a lot. <laughs> but I have also slept better for the past three months, so. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a win-win, I think, for me. <laughs> this article uh, brought back to mind, I think, one of our favorite things to chat about, which is all the things millennials are destroying in the world. Yes. I like to know what I'm part of ending. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What, am I, what am I destroyed? That what's compiled in the last year was Mashable compiled a list of like 70 things that millennials have destroyed in the last year, which was just links to all these articles talking about you know everything we were responsible for getting rid of. And so what I thought would be fun is I took that list, I printed them off on slips of paper. Because we like to destroy trees as yeah. well. And with zero context. <laughs> so I did not read a single one of those articles <laughs> to see in what context you were destroying these things. And I thought uh, we might need to play a little game to yeah, see what things you know, we really want to give the chop to. And okay. which things we might be so magnanimous as to let stick around. Because <laughs> according to the internet, we have a lot oh of power. <laughs> I just figured out how we can decide. Okay. Like what what, what terminology we're going to use. So since we're both uh, into RuPaul, <laughs> the ones that we think we want to keep are Shantae You Stay. <laughs> sashay Away. And then the last one, yeah, someone we get rid of Sashay Away. Guys, we are so trendy. <laughs> I f every time I talk about this, I feel really uncool. I feel my, like, square whiteness, like, bleeding from my Oh, fingers. well, I mean, it's a well-known fact that by the time, you know, slang gets to... Us. White people. <laughs> we are the last. <laughs> Especially people who like sci-fi and murder mysteries. <laughs> I'm sure the originators of that language have stopped using it. <laughs> Apologies to our cool friends. Our cool, um, trendy friends. So I thought, you know, I have all these papers in a mic here. This is sound effects, Jen. Prepared. And this is how you know I'm in a better place than last time we recorded. <laughs> 
Uh, would you like to do the honors? I will. I'll pick, first I'll pick two. Walk us through your decision project. Okay, so I've got I've got two. So the first one is motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> so relevant. <laughs> like care about the motorcycles. And then nine to five work <laughs> So I think my answer here might be surprising. Because I used to really hate working nine to five. I was much more like a seven thirty, three thirty, or like an eight to four. But lately I'm loving my mornings to have like a watch my recorded episodes of Sister Wives. <laughs> <laughs> I can like make my oatmeal and whatever breakfast I feel like having that day. Just youthful things. Cook some eggs. I mean yeah. the things that you want to do, like like enjoy your morning. So I'm gonna say nine to five workday, Shantae you stay. <laughs> and then motorcycles because they're so loud. Yeah, also, like, who has the money to afford some kind of second luxury? Also, the amount of leather you have to wear feels impractical in the summertime. I mean, in Ottawa? <laughs> the amount of moisture? <laughs> it's like raw, so like the pants and friends. You need so much powder and lotion. At least at my 9 to 5 job, there's air conditioning. <laughs> Sometimes it's like a nine to seven job just because I've got one. All right, Jen, what's yours? I have <laughs> another real relevant one in my life: running. <laughs> I wanted to get running. And banks. And what? Banks. Okay, I want to know how we ruined running in banks. First of all, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of us run, and we all use banks. I'm hard to believe we're running in banks. I'm guessing this is where Jen tries to guess how this ended up on this list. Maybe because we're distrustful of financial institutions, maybe that's not where it, maybe we're all Bitcoining. I use really Who can afford a Bitcoin? Because I'm not Bitcoining. Nobody can afford a Bitcoin. <laughs> um, I do hate banks though, just because, you know. Because adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. And Although oh, no, it's not true. TV Bank, shout out to you because I really enjoy your services. So Sponsor us. Yeah. I mean, I guess out of sheer necessity to my life, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to say Shantae, you stay at banks, but like, the less I have to deal with you, the better. Um, also, like, stop charging me fees just to have my money. I'm not into it. I mean, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> we can get into. And I'm gonna have to say running has to sashay away because... Well, my, running can't sashay away. It must run away. <laughs> my general approach to life is... I don't run. Okay. Um, I will not run for a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I will be late. You, don't have to run for, you have a car now. You don't have to run for a bus anymore. Maybe that's how you ruin running. Is that oh. you, you won't run for buses anymore. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I have college football. <laughs> We're getting all the ones that are personal. Yeah. Department stores. <laughs> I want to know how we ruin department stores. Well, I guess because they don't really exist anymore. Yeah. They're definitely well, Nordstrom's gone. still around. I don't know if millennials can take credit for that. They're definitely gone for the most part. Um, I think I'm going to have to say Shantae, you stayed at apartment stores because I really like buying makeup at Nordstrom because mm. um, they have a great selection that you can't really get sometimes at Sephora or at Mac. But the thing with Nordstrom is that you get much better service. And Sephora, ladies, hear me out, and gents who wear makeup. Um, the service there is garbage lately, and everything's a mess, and it's always too busy. So I'm gonna say Shantae stay to department store. So stores. what you would like to say is Shantae stay to the makeup department. 
Uh, well, I did buy my llama sweater from Nordstrom, so Shantae used it. <laughs> and uh, could not give one flying toot about college football. I don't even know anything about football. I, I don't even know if this means context, soccer or football. We're Canadians, so I feel like college football is not at the same level of big deal that it is in the States. I can't even watch, like, I, I don't even know what Super Bowl, I, don't know, I mean, football is just like, it's beyond me. It's beyond my realm of, like, it's not the Olympics or the World Cup, I don't know. So, I mean, Sash football sash like, giving everyone away. brain injuries and, like, shouldn't college Isn't that what, what Will Smith was in the movie, though? Concussion or something? Or? I feel like there's been talks. <laughs> anyway, uh, don't add us because we don't know anything about football. <laughs> 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 I feel like I should have taken some of these out so sure. <laughs> okay, what are they? I feel like this is the most American combo I could have ever gotten. Oil and patriotism. <laughs> but do we mean like crude oil? Do we mean olive oil? Do we mean I coconut can't. oil? I mean, coconut oil is very, very big. Did not click on the link. Have no context. <laughs> going to assume we're talking about fossil fuels. Okay. Um, but I mean, I do have a lot of opinions on cooking oils, so... I mean, grapeseed, what do you think about it? I think I'm pro-grapeseed. Who listens to this podcast? They're so <laughs> boring. Um, but I mean... Ugh, <laughs> could, in a way, stash it away. Is this a double elimination episode? This might be the classic double elimination. Hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think oil is a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. We need renewable resources. This is not the podcast where we delve into that kind of serious topic. <laughs> also, like, I just bought a car that is in gas, so expensive. Sashay away oil. <laughs> Patriotism, I mean, we just had our Olympics talk. I'm here for a nuanced and complex discussion on patriotism, yeah. nationalism. Go away. <laughs> okay. Um, my two napkins. <laughs> now we're getting into the good stuff. Whoa. And bar soap. <laughs> I think, um, ooh, this is actually, I have many opinions about both of these things. I want to hear from all. Oh, okay, buckle up. Okay, so my I grew up in a house where we always had napkins. Like, my dad gave us napkins. Like, it was very important to him to have napkins on the table. And generally paper napkins. Um, but sometimes, like, if we had a fancy dinner, we had cloth napkins, and sometimes if we had nothing, we'd make do with like a paper towel. Um, so I feel like I have a hard time eating a meal without napkins, um, both because of my father, but also because I'm a bit of a messy eater. I'm also going to confess that I'm a napkin hoarder, so when I go out and get a lunch or like a food, something I did not know about you. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's not my best quality, but I'm, I'm afraid of not having napkins, so I take a lot of them so that at a later date, I have to blow my nose or eat something else. I have a napkin available to me. Team napkin solidly, not team paper towel? Napkin, for sure. Fascinating. I know, isn't it? I have really fancy napkins in my cupboard. Um, but you don't get them when you come over. I, I know, I was like, like, I have never received one of these. <laughs> but I want to make that clear. And bar soap, I have to say, um, I have a lot of fancy bar soaps in my, in my cupboard. And I, I really like them, but... I find them, I don't know what the purpose of, like, how to, how to use them in my daily life because I don't really have the space for a bar of soap holder um, in my kitchen or in my bathroom. And the shower is just impractical because I have great smelling 
body washes. So I think it's the the answer is clear. Napkins. We are on differing opinions. Shantae, you stay. Garso, sachet away. I have to say, of all the categories picked, this is also the one I have the most opinions on. I mean, I'm happy to hear your thoughts about napkins and Garso. I mean, I'm team paper towel generally. You gave me paper towel this evening. I just think if I'm going to buy one or the other, and let's be honest, I don't have the money to buy both. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're a millennial. Um, I'm on team paper towels because there's more purposes and uses. I'm very into the new thing. This is also now the podcast where we review paper towel. <laughs> um, I'm into the new trend where they let you split the sh- sheet in half. Oh, so you're only see. using half the amount. I actually am a regular user of bar soap in the shower. Are you really? Um, More so than body wash? Yeah. And So are you, are you not a, um, like a scrub puff user? Yeah. A loofah? I use bar soap with my loofah. What? Yeah. I feel like that's such a strange combination. And um, part I, of it is... I equate bar soap and, like, and, um, face cloth. Yeah, no. Loofy user. Part of it's just being cheap. Bar part soap is cheaper. Part of it is trying to reduce the amount of plastic I have in my shower. I feel guilty now, though I should not have. You know what? It's not even... I mean, it is better for the environment, but that's not necessarily my thought process. It's all about that CBC documentary I watched once about how the plastic in our shower gets into the steam and like gets absorbed into your body and it's making us all poisoned. Um, okay, well this is a bit enlightening. And that's why I shouldn't be allowed to watch those kinds of things. Because I develop paranoia. But you also tell other people like me. Sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a good place to end. We could keep going. I'm gonna hold bull, but uh Well we have more things to talk about. <laughs> I guess we'll move on to our next segment. Which is an appropriate sound for in memoriam. Is it? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a roulette. I never know what I'm going to pre- press when I open that app on my phone. Um, that's the one app I've kept. <laughs> it's that weird sound effect app. In memoriam, Netflix. Now, I know that Netflix is not, it's still alive, it's still around. We're still <laughs> so using it every day. That no, it's still kicking. My in memoriam is more of like the heyday of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see where this is going. When you told me this is like Lonnie Dunbar, I just had a lot of questions. So I was thinking about it, and I realized as I was thinking about it, it's probably just related to me and no one else, but I... That's the point of this podcast. I've been clear on many times. <laughs> I feel betrayed by Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> because they have taken... Netflix is the Christo Teodora. Absolutely. They have taken... Every single one of my favorite shows off of that platform. And like the shows, and they're my favorite shows because of those shows of my like high school years. And I recognize that this is going to sound, I know that you're not going to agree with me on this. Um, <laughs> but the shows I miss the most are House, Scrubs, Doctor Who, and the number one show I miss is Community. I used to watch Community not agree with you. every single day. I watched every morning. It was just my show that, you know when you just put something on in the background? It was yeah. a community. And I never, got, I never got sick of watching it. And they took it off, I don't know, like six months or, ago or something. And I'm just so mad because I feel like all the stuff that's on Netflix now, it's all the original stuff. I don't want to watch any of it. Like, I don't want to get invested in something new. I don't want to watch Gracie and Frankie. Not interested in that humor. Not interested in watching Friends again for the hundred millionth time. I mean, I do like Friends, but it's not the same. That same as House or Scrubs, my favorite <laughs> medical, and also in memoriam of medical shows, like there was a whole era, Grey's Anatomy, House, Scrubs, 
Yeah, yeah, but that was a bit before. But those three were on at the same time. And it was a certain, it was just the era of the medical show. And there's medical shows on now, but they aren't as good. And even Brian Singer, who made House and making that new show, The Good Doctor, it's missing something. It doesn't have the right chemistry of the characters. It doesn't have the right actors or something. I don't know what it is. I'm just really upset with Netflix that they that my favorite shows are gone. I just want to watch Doctor Who, and I just want to watch Me in the Morning. I just want to pull on an episode, pull up an episode of House, where I just want to see Jesse Spencer's face for like an hour. You know, how dare they? I mean, I will join your petition if we can get Netflix. And again, in case anyone's listening, not in Canada. We are talking about Canadian Netflix specifically. Yes, we know that um, you have more other places. I would love for them to bring back uh, Happy Endings. Okay. Sitcom. It's one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. I feel like once a show is on Netflix, it should never leave Netflix. It's absolutely insane, and I miss it. Here's my thing. We ever needed a... <laughs> Every economist is gonna cringe. <laughs> <laughs> to me, if you need any better evidence of the failure of capitalism. <laughs> and I know so much about those guys. It is streaming services and how, you know, millennials, I'm sure somewhere in that bowl I had cable television. Um, destroyed cable television because we were all like, we're all just gonna get Netflix subscription or illegally stream or whatever. But Netflix subscriptions. And then every company was like, oh, there's money to be paid. <laughs> subscription services. So every company invented its own subscription service. And, and yeah. now everything is spread out across all the subscription services. So now if I want to go to watch things, I'd have to pay just as much as I had to pay for cable. Yeah. Have subscriptions. To but I mean, I feel like that model's going to collapse really soon because no one's going to pay for all of it. Well, everyone's just going to go back to streaming illegally. Streaming illegally. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, guys, this is clearly a failed plan. Um, and can we not make this about me <laughs> and the fact that I only want to pay $10 a month for one thing and have everything I've ever desired <laughs> be available on it. But here's the thing, And like, all the artists like, and producers would, also be paid fairly for their like, work. I would pay more than $10 a month. I would pay like 20 bucks a month because I also have cable because uh, I love the Food Network and I just like to watch live things like the Olympics. But I, I, would, I would get rid of my cable if it meant I could watch pay 30 bucks a month for Netflix or a streaming service and they would never get rid of my shows <laughs> or my movies or whatever. Like I went to look up another uh, Hugh Jackman movie I wanted to watch called Eddie the Eagle. It's gone from Netflix in the past like months disappeared. Why? Gonna have to go back to my, I'm pointing if no listeners can see, to the shelf behind us that has my extensive stack of TV on That's what I was like, so now I have to buy DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever the next thing is going to be, a microchip for my brain. Like, I just want to be able to watch my stuff I want to watch. And don't even get me started on the fact that The Greatest Showman is not coming to Canadian Netflix. It's only coming to American Netflix. Why? Why does it hate me? Netflix, I do, as if I'm talking to a person. <laughs> I, Mr. Netflix. You know what? No. Ms. Netflix. <laughs> Mademoiselle Netflix. Gender neutral Netflix. <laughs> Z. I would like to make it clear that this rant in no way precludes me selling my pitch for my pocket-related <laughs> drama to you. I definitely would watch that for sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I'm just, there's too much new on Netflix that's not good. Like, the show- also, how, how is it a sustainable 
business, the amount of money they spend on new productions. How do they make money? Didn't they say, Netflix make money? Didn't they say they're gonna do like five hundred new titles in the next like two or three years? Yeah. And they're like, who wants that many new titles? I want to have the stuff I already like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want new things. Don't make me learn new things. So like, you know, when we were judging all the think pieces on millennials, so like calling us entitled. <laughs> other and at a respectful distance 
and then we all just get along. Although he wasn't very much in your face last night. I think he liked you. Honestly, I think part of the problem was you. (laughs) (laughs) What? You were freaking me out. Because every time he came near me, you were just jumping. I was just trying. So what he does now, for listeners who have cats, maybe your cats do this, he licks my hair sometimes. And I didn't want him to do that to you because I thought that would freak you out. So I was trying to get him to stop doing that before he did it. So I'm sorry if I freaked you out. Um, but he would have freaked you out more. I thought he was behind me, like, literally ready to... No, he was just gonna, he was just gonna bite your hair. Like, lick your hair. I mean, I don't want to, um, disrespect Nacho by bringing this into the conversation. <laughs> but I am currently listening to an audiobook by a medical examiner. About her experience with a medical examiner. And in the chapter I listened to today... As if there's any doubt that you just love murder and death. She 100% confirmed. Cats will straight up eat your dead body within hours of you dying. Okay. Whereas dogs will respect you till they have no other choice. And I'm just gonna leave that there. Do you think Bandic would eat me if I if I died? Okay, you're fake right now. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. You don't think he loves me enough? That's not true because he eats me now I'm still alive, so But I also hope we never have to find out. That's nice of you to say, Jen. That's a good way to end this, this podcast. <laughs> Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, even though we don't use it. <laughs> At next segment, I'm just going to J&J. <laughs> I think it's just JJ, not J&J. We don't even know. <laughs> um, thanks for sticking with us if you're still here. We hope the audio is better this time. If you made it to the end, I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> stage. We said on such a high note. If you want to be a guest, let us know. <laughs> Especially Laura, look at you. See you next time.